Welcome to Combat Chatter, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast, brought to you by RepublicTrooper.com. Combat Chatter covers the latest hot topics and breaking news surrounding Star Wars The Old Republic, BioWare, and the greater Tor community. What's up, everyone? It is time for another episode of Combat Chatter, hosted by yours truly, Andy at Republic Trooper. Tonight, we are joined by our usual crew, Dave and Mike from Republic Trooper, are with us on the show. And we have a couple of um, very special guests who are going to hang out with us tonight and um, hold down the title of industry expert. And they're going to give us all kinds of feedback about MMOs and the MMO industry throughout our conversations tonight. Our first guest is um, a real-life friend of Dave's. His name is Nick. He works for a major MMO development company that unfortunately we have to um, leave unnamed so he doesn't get into any trouble. And our second guest is Rick, who is another real-life friend of both Dave and myself. Rick is known kind of throughout the gaming community for being um, world famous, but uh, he's also an 18-year veteran of the gaming and MMO industry, so he's going to have a lot of uh, really cool input um, into our conversation tonight while we talk Star Wars The Old Republic. And the same thing, Rick, we cannot mention the company he works for as well, just to make sure that everyone can maintain their job when they come back to work tomorrow. Both Nick and Rick are going to be here with Mike, Dave, and myself, and we're going to talk some Star Wars The Old Republic. So uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Greetings, Earthlings. Hey, it's great. Thanks for having me. So... TOR launch. We are getting really close. It's 36 days from the beginning of early access and and 41 days from a full launch. So both of you guys are kind of hanging out as our industry experts tonight. Um, What are your thoughts on the TOR launch as a whole? And, and, you know, like, do you think BioWare is really prepared for what they're about to get themselves into? Well, they're they're doing a great job. The fans are excited each time an email comes through. Uh, There's the communications are great. They're clear. They're exciting. They're fun. There are people are obviously getting into it. Uh, there's great information out there. You can look everywhere and find it. Uh, you can see what your options are to pre-order the game. 36 days to go, and and it looks like I mean this is looking like it's going to be a, a record-breaking MMO launch. What do you think's going through their minds right now? Like, what kind of challenges do you think that they're encountering at this point in launching an MMO, especially one of this size? Well, they're going to be looking, they're going to be checking in with their sales guys and coming back and saying, how many pre-orders do we have? And once a week, probably on Mondays, the sales guys are calling the, the buyers at the retail chains and saying, how do they look so far? Uh, what happened over the weekend? And they're going to get these numbers and come back and report the numbers. And from what I'm hearing, they're huge numbers. And, and this is still 36 days out. Normal behavior in the games industry is that a huge chunk of the population, some would say more than 50%, don't actually pre-order a game until it gets within a month of shipping. But that last 30 days um, is a really busy time for pre-ordering. So the numbers they're seeing now don't even reflect what they're going to be by the time the game launches. So they're going to be they're going to be looking at these numbers and getting excited now. Some of the old timers are going to be looking at them saying, relax, that doesn't mean this is how many subscribers we're going to have. Some people are covering their bets. They're ordering from multiple places. I know I ordered two copies, one, you know, one from each place so I could cover my bets. Some people will be doing things like that. You can't count your 
chickens before they hatch. But other people will be really excited right now and are mentally raising all of their target goals in mind and getting all excited. And those people, you know, may end up setting their own expectations so high that they get disappointed later. Yeah, that's actually uh, what I was going to mention. Looking at this game in particular, you really have to understand that they're coming with the one of the biggest franchises ever. So the, the no amount of pre-orders, the people who are just excited for this, is going to be huge. And if after day one they don't deliver, you're going to see a very huge decline really fast, which is something that we have been seeing over the last two or three years. Right. You know, that's a, that's a good point. I was reading something somewhere the other day that I think compared to a different game, like compared to like, wow, for a while there, they were having subscribers that would hit like 30 days and then they would go away and they would a new subscriber would take their place. But they weren't like retaining customers. According to like VG charts, I, just North American retail copies, they're up to like close to 700,000 or they might even be past um, and kind uh, of eight eight hundred thousand. Yes. Well, there you go. Eight eight hundred thousand, and that's just retail. So, what do you guys think about like the digital download? Like, how many people now actually download the game as opposed to buying it? Do, do you think the number would be more, less, equal? Because people are starting to really put some some pretty serious estimates on like, hey, if we're at eight hundred thousand now for North America, they're at like nine hundred thousand for Europe. You know, we're starting to get a pretty solid picture of, of what a launch day and a launch week is going to look like for the game. We're, we're talking millions of players on day one, which is pretty crazy. Digital downloads are a mixed bag for me. It makes everything so easy, which is great if you want to make a quick buck. But people who don't invest in the game aren't going to stick around. When you see things like Steam, uh, what's the word, like sales, I know 30 or 40 people a weekend who will buy a game just because it's $5. Because right, it's easy, and, and, it's, and you, you know, you're not going to waste too much time on it. I really feel like while digital downloads are super convenient, that the actual longevity of those players is going to be significantly less because they're just going to pick up what the next MMO that comes out in February or March. That's a really good point. In, in my experience on other, uh, on, uh, other <laughs> MMO games... You can say it. You can say it. <laughs> no, I can't. I have to be careful. If they, if they came to the game through Steam, Let's assume that they bought it on sale, but they actually did in, in, uh, launch the game, create an account, make a character, and start playing. If they got that far, the statistic probability of them staying and, and playing the game, you know, say past 90 days, is a lot lower than if, than if they came directly, uh, well, if they came through a different method. <laughs> Yeah, All the methods have their own percentage. Actually, once they get in, if they do make it past 90 days, they behave exactly like any other player that made it past 90 days. But the initial curve was steeper for, for Steam. Now, this, on the other hand, you're asking, you know, to compare these retail box pre-orders with likely activity on the digital side of distribution. And that's a lot harder to guess on this title because... This is, this is going to be one of the first big uh, releases that's not going to be available on Steam, but will be available digitally on day one. So we don't really know how that's going to behave. That's a new model, with, and we don't have data for it. And it's Star Wars. To, to address some of this, though, I think we're kind of putting the cart before the horse. I understand exactly what you're saying, Nick. I'm one of those guilty people. There are certain games I will only pick up when they're on sale digitally. 
I also have moved to the digital model on everything except for uh, except for collector's editions. If I don't want to get the collector's edition of a game, Direct to Drive is my best friend. Impressive. I, I own about 60 games on Direct to Drive, and about two-thirds of them I bought full retail. Now, once things start going on sale, if a game gets to the point where it's been out for a while or it's not doing well, and they're trying to pull some extra subscribers in, so, you know, you see it for 20 bucks instead of 50 I agree with you. Those people might be like, eh, this is worth trying for this much, and those subscribers will likely be more transient. Let's also remember that just as World of Warcraft did with casual gamers bringing people into the MMO market that they never have before, the Old Republic is going to have similar reach, I think, towards bringing in people who just never really had uh, an interest in the genre. And once they actually touch upon it because of their interest in Star Wars in general, I think they're going to plumb the depths of a, a completely new uh, subscriber base. Well kicked in the door, I think Star Wars, or possibly non-fantasy Warhammer, <laughs> like 40K, 40K right. is, is the only real IP that could fill that room. I think the fact that it's Star Wars alone already, that's what's going to make it huge. Plus, from WoW and some of the other games that have been out there, there's like this new influx of MMO players, and it's like a whole new genre and, and all this stuff. So you have a bunch of players now who are just going to be into it because it's the next MMO. You also have a bunch of players that are going to be into it because of the fact that Star Wars, which is probably why you're seeing like this this huge you know clamoring about the game. Plus, we're you know we're a month out from launch, but but kind of back to Rick's point, you know that was pretty interesting because that's what everyone's kind of trying to determine, right? Is how many digital downloads will there be at launch? And do you think that they'll actually ever release that number? Because really, that's how you're going to get the most accurate estimate of, of how many people are going to be in the day or be in the game on, on day one, I should say. That's a good point that you mentioned, Rick, was that it's a new model. Like, no one's ever seen that. If I remember correctly, I don't even think Warcraft was doing digital downloads for, for quite some time in, into the life of that game. In this particular case, Electronic Arts is publicly traded. They, they may have reasons to share something. They may have reasons to share something with their investors. And there could be, it could be based around the success of the title, or it could be based around the success of the origin distribution network. In both cases, you've got a success story to tell investors that could potentially add value to the perception of the value of the company itself. So I could see reasons why they might actually end up releasing some of that information. I really hope that they do release it because, I mean, a it would just be it would just be really cool statistically to kind of see you know, you know, on, on day one we had this or or on launch day and you know that kind of leads us into our into our next topic here, which is is early access. So you know, on early well l let me let me back up a minute. I guess let's say they have two million players on launch day. Early access is five days. They've said that they're going to like slowly open up the floodgates, so to speak, when they do early access. So if, if you're talking a couple million or even more players over that five-day period, they're going to have to be letting in, what, 750,000 players a day or something like that? Uh, I'm sorry, not 750,000, but like 500,000 players a day over those four or five days. I don't think an amount like that has ever been seen before in the MMO industry, period. That's man, it's um, hard to say because if, if they're completely prepared, I mean, they'd be smart to prepare for, you know, five million players. And that would be their a good benchmark to start with their beta being as long as it's been. 
is going to give them a really good idea about server strain. And I would bet that they'll err on the side of caution and throttle down the number of players per realm and then slowly expand that out. Okay, well, that's a good point then. So how many, I think Warcraft is what, it's about like ten to 15,000 players a realm or something like that if it's like super high population. What kind of, I mean, this is all speculation, guys, but like what kind of numbers would you foresee them maybe doing like per per server or per realm not, or whatever? Not concur. I don't think it's that much concurrent. I think I think it's closer to three to five thousand. Yeah, that sounds that sounds a little more realistic. Yeah, yeah three to five thousand per server uh, concurrent for wow. I mean, for Eve a lot notwithstanding. Of <laughs> yeah, for right. for, mul right. for multiple for multiple server games, I almost call them shards because it's becoming so popular. For games with multiple servers, meaning you play with a group of people on a server named X. You know, I play on X. You play on Y. Yeah, three to five thousand is usually considered load for a lot of games that, that's kind of the thing that i'm interested about is is i'm wondering if if you know well maybe they're going to ramp up slowly right so maybe day one you might see them let a hundred thousand people into the game as a whole right and it's like okay we're going to go day one see how it goes and then you know maybe day two it's like two hundred and fifty thousand, and day three it's like six hundred thousand. I, I think i think it's going to be more than that and i'll tell you a couple of reasons why one the fact that EA recently said that they're going to be adding hundreds of thousands of people in the coming weeks to the beta. I think they're going to be planning just, just from the fact that they're probably going to have over a million in both Europe and North America. And they have five days of which they're going to stretch it over. And even people who put theirs in last minute, I think, are going to get in at least one day. I don't think if you put it in the last day before pre-order, I think you'll get in on the 19th. I believe that's how they'll do it. I think you're probably talking at least 250 to 300,000 day one, and then probably another 200,000 or so each day. You know, that's yeah. that's a good point. When does the pre-order window end? Does anybody know? I think they've said it. it, it the pre-order literally ends the day before early access. Okay, so it's like December 14th, essentially, something like that. Yeah, and uh, to sort of go along with uh, what you guys were saying, I've, I've sort of been sitting here racking my brain and I've been a part of a whole lot of launches in my time uh, after EverQuest and all those games that came after. Not worked with them, but I played all of them and helped launch a lot of them. Uh, and I've seen them do a lot of different things to help launches go smooth. And I was thinking about asking uh, Rick and Nick what they think that Tor should do to really help make this launch smooth. Well, one, one thing is... They're going to need to have all hands on deck for customer service and everything from billing to games, in-game support to just handling a flood of phone calls and who's going to hold the hands of the, of the journalists and reviewers. And there's, going to, there's a lot of work to do. And, and so they're going to, obviously, everyone's going to have to be fully engaged. No one's on vacation. Everyone's going to be there chipping in. And that's great for a number of reasons. The devs get to see right up front where things are difficult for new people who haven't been playing the beta. Oh, they get stuck on this area. Or, oh, they have trouble with that. Maybe if we made this clear. Oh, I guess we should put in, uh, you know, maybe quickly whip up a, uh, a video, put it on YouTube and explain how to do something. And then we can paste that link into tech support calls, etc. Everyone's going to have to pitch in really hard to make it as smooth as possible.
what do you guys think just based off of your experience in the industry and and being around and and working on you know like like i said before major games especially mmos what do you think their biggest pitfalls are during that launch week like is it is it going to be network infrastructure too many players bugs kind of rick what your point you just mentioned like lousy customer service like what do you what do you think is the biggest thing that they have to to really be careful of well if you make a perfect game then you really don't need customer service unfortunately <laughs> that's uh, a good most, point right <laughs> most mmos are i would even say at the start they're 90 percent if they're lucky and most probably coming around 60 percent done their customer support people will probably be 24 hours a day, including phone support for the first week or two, just to make sure that they're getting all the people helping with installer issues. But pitfalls run the gamut. There are some games where, man, this game's just terrible, so nobody came back. And then you hear horror stories about players waiting three or four weeks to get their ticketed questions responded to. Right. Even And then they get a, like a token, sorry, we're not helping with this anymore uh, email. So... There's any number of things Bioware could do wrong, but I'm, I'm actually super hopeful that they're not going to. I have a feeling that, especially with Star Wars being this huge flagship, that they're going to pull out all the stops because I don't think if they make any huge blunders like a, what was that terrible MMO that had the card trading game in it? Dave, what, what is it? What am I talking about? Dave, Dave will know. Are you ta- are you ta- well, it depends. Uh, Vanguard had diplomacy with cards, but if you're talking about the one where the cards were used... Andy, stop that. (laughs) That wasn't me. (laughs) Where the cards are used used for actual combat, that was uh, Chronicles of Spellborn. No, I think think it was Vanguard, where I know two or three dozen people who played Vanguard, and then a week later they were were back playing WoW. which is, seems to be the go-to MMO right now. Vanguard su- Vanguard suffered <laughs> the same thing. Actually, there's there's I'm not going to go into it, but if you ever have interest, read up about what happened to Vanguard because it truthfully is one of the saddest gaming stories of something that could have been great. But yeah. without go without going into that, I mean, you guys both know the industry, and what uh what BioWare's actually said is uh you know I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but they basically said. You know, we know how to tell story. We, we know that part. We know how to make a, a good game. We've done that. But we, we don't know how to support a great service. That's the thing they're concerned with. And that's the thing they're really focusing on. And to that effect, they opened a brand new customer service center, like brand new built everything in Ireland to, to service everyone. And they hired, just to help with the launch, they hired 400 customer service employees just for the launch of the Old Republic. I mean, it, what do you guys think? Is that a good number? I mean, is 400 a huge chunk of people to cover this game on launch or what? I'd say that's probably second to WoW. I've never had 400 customer service people to work on, on one of my games. It sounds great. WoW will, has a huge I, facility out in Austin. Oh, do they but really? I, it's it, They're neighbors, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, well, the customer, they have a customer service facility. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, the, speaking of the Ireland thing, they actually just announced that a couple weeks ago. So, in I'm yep. pretty sure that that's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's mostly going to be for Europe only. I thought the no, oh, it's it's it's, it's not. I met, I, I'm I'm sad I'm blanking on his name. I actually met the gentleman at the uh, New York Comic Con meet and greet. Uh, one of the one of the nice uh, guys who's going to be working out there. He was actually Irish and he was over in New York, and he was awesome. And I actually asked him about that. No, the Ireland office is going to 
the Ireland customer service office is going to cover the game everywhere. Another interesting thing, which is good news for gamers that I don't know if a lot of people know, is they said you can play on any server no matter where you are. If you want to play uh, with friends in Germany, you can jump on German servers. You have to download all the German audio files the first time and your ping will be crap, but they're not, they're not region locking anyone. So you play, you play from Europe to U.S. or U.S. to Europe or you know, whatever fits in between. I was wondering about that because there was a couple of guilds that were European, but they had a lot of actually American and Canadian players in their guild. I can't think of any of them specifically right now, and I was wondering how they were going to handle that. They go back to the Ireland bit. Is that going to be for just phone service or just text service or no. is that kind of all in one? No, that's, that's the thing. BioWare actually said, if you have a problem with the game, they're going to helicopter people out. Yeah, it's just phone service, Mike. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Ireland, which is going to handle just the email. They're going to send a boat they... to come pick you up. No, I, I think it's, it's going to be full phone. I mean, email, phone. I think it's, it's going to be full capacity. I think they're going to cover the entire gamut of customer service. Because, okay, like I said, that's, yeah. that, that's what BioWare has emphasized several times. That's that people have, uh, or they've done most aspects of this before. The only thing they haven't done is the you know, majorly online part, which, of course, is a concern, but that always gets worked out. The customer service is the big part that they're concerned with, and it's good that they're concerned with something they haven't done before of this magnitude. Not only that, I actually think it's almost better that they're new at this because so many other companies are almost just willing to accept the normal pitfalls that will come with customer service. And Bioware going, hey, we've never done this before, they're going to probably do things that the other companies haven't even thought of or put people on things that other companies would just be like, well, we'll take care of that. And, you know, That's email. actually what I was just going to mention was I think it's good that Bioware is, you know, they're they're a new player in the game, right? So obviously they've looked at all the major launches probably, you know, since MMOs started. Who knows what kind of research they've done and uh, about things to watch out for and, and things to avoid and ways to improve process. But everything I get from, from them and, and the messaging that they're putting out, and, you know, it could just be, you know, salesy stuff and marketing mumbo jumbo, but essentially they're like, listen, we want it to be a solid experience for all the players from day one, you know, we don't want like server queues. We don't want server reboots and lag. And I mean, if all you guys were there at Warcraft's launch week, it was a little bit rough for the first couple of days. You know, you couldn't move and all, all kinds of stuff like that was going on, which, you know, you're going it, to it's expected. So I think that they're aware of this kind of stuff. It'll definitely be interesting to see. I mean, we're like we said earlier, we're we're about 35 days. I mean, that's that's about five weeks out from early access and then and then six weeks from full launch so and but yeah back to early access really quick what do you guys think about five days were you let down were you excited were you hoping uh, for more or less i actually think that that's pretty i wouldn't say standard but that's what i've seen for other companies that have done early access is right around five days that's what i expected five days is about if you'd said to me what do you think you'll get i would have said five days I always felt like it was a QA tool disguised as a customer service opportunity. I think I think you're absolutely right, Nick. But you right. want to know something? It that's works. A, yeah. That, well, that's a that's a QA that's a QA tool. I'll happily be involved with. And you, you don't know the people who get in the third or fourth day. They might be the luckiest because those of us on in the first and second, all we might do is 
spend, you know, uh, late nights trying to play and, and playing for 10 minutes <laughs> right. at a time and then being disconnected for two hours. And by the third day, they finally have it ironed out and we're level four and we've been playing for three days and everyone else is playing and it's working great now. Right. Everyone who's been stuck in place all day or something can't move. Here come yeah. the guys on like day day uh, three and four and they're like, hey, later. <laughs> this is a shout out to all the people who are like, oh, I forgot to do it or I wish I pre-ordered early. Be careful what you wish for because it, it may not be, you know, all roses. Yeah, as someone who has been a part of some of those early accesses, I can tell you that those first few days are a little rough. Some games are do it better than others, but if you're right there in the, right in the first wave, you get hit with all of the things they weren't expecting. So, yeah, it's like you know, once you turn it live, man, people are going to use it in ways that they never intended, and you're going to find all that stuff that's broken. I heard a rumor that Bobby Kotick is uh, moving the Death Star into position to uh, take out Bioware's server farm. On the yeah. day of the access. <laughs> yeah, not this year, I don't think. Maybe next year. Uh, okay, what else do we have to talk about today? Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Oh, hey, did you guys see uh, the Imperial Agent progression video on the Friday update? What did you guys think about that? Well, first of all, it's it's getting close to the 11th hour that they released the Imperial Agent, but uh, we're Republic Troopers, obviously. But I, I've been following the Sith uh, or the Imperial Agent for a little while just because... The idea of being a secret agent was always kind of cool. What I've seen so far is interesting, and the, the Cobra Commander helmet at the end at the end of that video made me made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> that was exactly what I was gonna say. Is <laughs> I, I mean I I have to be honest. There's two classes that I personally just have no interest in in even really trying, and it's the smuggler and the Imperial agent. And I could go on a whole long reason why, but essentially. I was kind of laughing at the helm. I think it was that was the sniper one, right? Like it looked, yeah. I guess it looked cool. I don't know. Like the smuggler and the IA, like their gear just looks kind of funny. Like smugglers are in cowboy hats and, and IA guys are wearing like, you know, high tech baseball hats. And it was, I don't know. It just visually isn't appealing to me. And I, I kind of feel that they went a little crazy on the sniper to try and make them look cooler than maybe they actually are. I don't know. I actually love sniper classes, but I love them in first person shooters. And the reason why I was skeptical about seeing it in an MMO is they're slow. They, you know, they have to aim and they fire. And it's one shot and one kill. And a lot of times in MMOs, you don't have the one shot, one kill. It's you hit them and you take down a fifth or a third of their health. And then you have to do it all again. And meanwhile, other DPS classes are having big flashy effects and look ten times more fun. So but, it was good Mike. to see them try to do more things with it. C come on, come on, Mike. You can you can snipe from thirty five meters. That's like true sniper range, man. No one can see you at that range. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one exactly. can see you behind your glowing wall, right? Right, my portable <laughs> cover wall. You can't see me. I'm hiding. But Bioware, we're 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 just we're just busting. We're just playing. That's because uh, troopers don't get cover, so we think anyone who hides behind cover is a wuss anyway. Yeah, we just blow the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. No, I mean, it was cool. I thought it was cool, but um, that was probably, I mean, early access and Imperial Agent were uh, probably the, the, the big news around Friday updates recently. And then um, another topic, let's kind of move on here. So an another topic, and this is actually going on, well, it probably just ended, but this was going on Sunday through uh, Tuesday of this week, is uh, BioWare's Fansite Summit number two. I actually think that this is really cool that they are even doing these fan site summits to begin with. Um, the second one's going on right now. They, there's 13 fan sites out there. Representatives from these fan sites are out there. 
and yeah, they're kind of giving them like private tours and they're discussing with them like post launch, post launch content, I should say, and all kinds of cool stuff to make sure that the community is still viable after the games launched. But, you know, Dave and Dave kind of wrote about this last week. There was a there was a little bit of uh, blowback at Bioware considering or I guess considering that not all the fan sites that got to go um, were brand new. Like some of the sites that were at fan site summit number two had been invited to the first fan site summit. And Dave, I don't know, maybe you want to speak to that a little bit more since you wrote uh, the piece about it. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to say a few things and then I'd, I'd like to get the opinions of uh, Rick and Nick and, and Mike. First off. I read a lot of what was going on, and right off the bat, I'd like to say some of the fan sites actually had some legitimate arguments. The problem was the way they went about it was it wasn't very um, it wasn't very professional. Tempers flared, and people were taking the wrong avenues to to follow their grievances. You underestimate uh, my power. No, I. I know exactly what your power is, Andy. Power is <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crazy. <laughs> Some of them had very valid concerns. It was the way they went about it that we felt was eroding to the community. And, and that's, at least at Republic Trooper, that's what we were more concerned with, was, hey, guys, talk about it in a mature and straightforward manner. Uh, and even, even Stephen Reed was saying to certain folks, like, hey, guys, let's talk this out multiple times. And in the end, we don't want to be adversarial with people outside the game. In the game for fun against their characters, absolutely. Outside the game, let's have a great community, guys. Let's make it happen. And every single person owns their own piece of making or breaking the community. So, My personal opinion on this whole thing is that being a fan site is kind of a privilege. We get to enjoy the game and have help other people kind of come in and enjoy the game with us and the fact that Bioware is even giving us information like that article we had with with uh, some of the developers it's they're giving us this information they don't have to do that they don't have to invite us down to these uh, fan site summits but they're doing it anyway and that's just fantastic and to be invited is a privilege you're representing a community that is Mike, let's keep this clear. Mike means us as in some of the fan sites. We, as Republic Trooper, have not been invited to. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I, I was just boiler. thinking that. I was like, don't say us. We're not going. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me put my this boilerplate out there. Is that, yeah, we weren't invited, but I was saying we as the community, they're sort of representing all of us. And uh, I'm just sort of speaking as a fan there. Is that getting invited it just seems like this is an awesome privilege rather than. You know something you should demand to be a part of, and that was kind of my that was kind of my thought on. It. And Rick, I'm gonna have I have a question for you about this in just a sec. But real quick, like when I saw this stuff kind of start going down, and, and you know some of it, well, I guess a lot of it started happening on Twitter, and then it kind of spread to some other areas. But the TOR community to me is actually very cool. I mean, there's a lot of MMO communities that are elitist and snarky, and you know, website A versus website B, like they battle it out. In the TOR community, like, everybody seems very friendly and, like, genuine and, you know, they'll help you out, you help them out. Like, it really is, like, a true sense of community. And to see a lot of people, or I, I shouldn't say a lot, but to see some people in the community, like, kind of kind of come a little bit unglued, um, like, publicly at the developers of the game because either they didn't get invited or they had a disagreement with the list of 
of sites that were invited. I don't know. Like, I, I was a little bit let down. I, I really thought it was kind of like embarrassing. And, and kind of to Dave's point is, I, I, I mean, I do agree that some of the arguments that were listed were were definitely valid. But I, I think the way that that they went about voicing their, um, you know, their issues was was probably not not the best way to go. But Rick, I want to ask you, you know, with your company, I don't want again be careful because I don't want to get in trouble. But you have some involvement doing like community fan meets and things like that. And you're, you're one of the few companies I know that really does that kind of stuff. I personally think that it's awesome that Bioware is doing this stuff already before the game is even launched. But like, give me your take on it. Like from the company perspective, like what are they looking to get out of it? Well, first of all, it's a lot of work to organize these things and nobody has unlimited resources. Even Activision Blizzard has limited resources. It's just a higher limit. But they, they can't really realistically bring in every fan site, have them and in, and give them a quality experience and answer all their questions and give them all great access and follow up with them afterwards and measure what happened from it. They can only they can only do as much as they can do. So I understand that part. And each time they and each new week is almost like a new a new moment in time. You look back at what you did before and you saw where you got the most benefit and value to the degree you can, like how many, how much traffic is going to these sites, how many, uh, how many people are coming from each of those sites to the uh, Star Wars, the Old Republic forums, etc. So you're doing, you're going to look at what happened last week and then you're going to start again this week and think, okay, what's the most valuable thing I can do this week? Or, you know, maybe you don't think on a weekly basis. Maybe you're thinking, okay, that was the last camp. What can we do? What's the most we can do this camp? And you make your best guesses. And some of it goes with traffic. And some of it goes with editorial audience served or editorial angle that they write from or the quality of the product they put out or the quality of your relationship with them and how, how much you think you can add value or who you've got available to meet with them and you just do the best you can each time but no you can't you can't keep everyone happy it's absolutely true and uh going along with that i I, you said you know these things take lots and lots of resources not only in in money and organizing but this has to be exhausting for the people that work there i mean they have to work on top of you know having all of these these things go on so from either nick or rick i mean from your uh, experience how taxing is this to the team that's working on the on the game? I mean, I know they love to do it, but honestly, that whole the whole situation seems to really be two fundamental flaws. And the first one was that BioWare did a really great thing saying, we're having another summit. Here's who we invited. What they shouldn't have done was say, the reason we'd invite these other people was for X. They never should have gone down that road. They just should have stuck with, we, we like these sites, we like what they're doing. They got an invite from us versus saying that the other sites probably didn't have the legs to stand. And that's really what their community got all angry about. And then on the community side, getting angry because of a pragmatic opinion and then pretty much screaming at each other about it really doesn't make you look very good. You know, that's a good point because – that was something I, I guess it came from one of the podcasts where I, th- I think it might have been D- David Bass. I'm not 100 percent sure where he was talking a- about it. And he what he essentially said was the fact that after a launch, 
a lot of these sites might not necessarily be around. So they were trying to focus on sites that they know for a fact will will still have longevity. And and initially, I think that's where one of the beefs was. But the the stuff that I saw, I actually didn't hear that. That was more me and Dave were talking. About. I think David listened to it and and it kind of given me some details. The issue I saw was there was a bunch of different people on Twitter that were like tweeting Stephen Reed and David Bass and all these BioWare guys that were essentially WTFing them about why they didn't get asked or why they didn't get invited. And, and it was kind of to Rick's point is Steve Reed was like, look, man, you know, we can't invite everybody. There, there's like thousands of TOR fan sites. I mean, Tor Syndicate alone, which which we're a member of, they have like 230 or 240 alone. And that's just one little sub community within the overarching expanse i guess the bottom line is is i think it's super cool that bioware is even doing this already and this is the second one just this year so you you figure if they did two this year and you know they'll probably do one next year i mean maybe they'll do two either either way i think i think people whether they were intentionally slighted or unintentionally slighted they probably could have you know been a little bit more uh, calm about responding i guess i don't know it's hard to put a rationale on people's passions and right one thing i've seen in the, the uh, tor community so far is that a lot of people running these websites are super passionate about it so when you tell them that their passion's not going to last it's probably not a good foot to start with that's true that's a that's a good point that's definitely a good point um okay let's see what else we have oh yeah this was cool something else uh big that kind of happened last week for us is we got a new interview with dave how do you say his name i always mispronounce it Georg Zoller. Georg Zoller. There you go. Yeah. Georg Zoller gave us a killer interview on the Trooper class and specifically about combat mechanics. Dave, uh, what do you think, man? What was your favorite thing and some of the good information that came out of that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you um, go. <laughs> nice. uh, no, really, I was blown away by the depth and detail he went into. He gave us a lot of great, straightforward, in-depth answers that literally... I would say uh, shine more of a light on a lot of the abilities than I even hope that they would talk about because everyone knows that floating around there in the ether is a lot of information about the game that people are going to have their hands on very soon, but there's a lot less that is official that we know is concrete. And he brought us some gems. And one thing of interest to me and I, I don't want to cause I don't want to cause a stir in the gaming community because this is another thing that can really get pe- people in a tizzy. But by one of his comments, he kind of said that the vanguard of all the tanking classes for the Republic is a little bit easier to judge its burst damage because it it works more on mitigation than avoidance, and that could be seen as a slight edge for boss fights. Now. As long as the edge isn't too huge, I hope that's something that doesn't get homogenized away because balance is very important in a game, but as the best designers realize, balance does not mean mirror image. Okay? Actually, well, the avoidance versus you know, the soaking up the damage. Um, there are some boss fights I have been a part of in other games where having an avoidance tank, despite it not being as, you know, you can't theorize how much healing you're going to have to do on him is a much better option for that particular boss fight. So him saying that, it actually didn't ruffle any any feathers as far as I think. I think it, it was just sort of saying, these guys are much more, you can tell how much damage they're going to be able to take. The, the other classes that are avoidance-based, they're going to have their own niches. 
I actually, when, when I, what I kind of got out of that was, I might get flamed a little bit for this, but what I actually got out of it was that essentially they're viewing Trooper as the main tank on the Republic side because that's the class that's tanking style is damage absorption, like traditional tanking style. And I know Bioware has gone to like extreme lengths to make every class very um, hybrid-like so you can heal or DPS or tank within them. But to specifically compare it to the other tanking classes, we asked him, Dave asked him a great question. Avoidance tanking versus absorption, absorption tanking, to me, that means if I have two of those people in a group and someone's like, who's the MT? I'm going to be like, dude, the trooper's the MT because he can, he can take the beating. To me, that makes it easier on the healers and, and all that kind of stuff. In the actual game mechanics of it, no one really knows yet, right? Like, we're just going to kind of have to see how it goes and how the other classes kind of match up. I actually thought that that was probably, like, the biggest little tidbit that came out of that. And it was cool because the Ask a Jedi guys picked up on that, too, when they carried it. They were like, hey, this was actually a pretty interesting tidbit about the trooper. You guys are you guys are really big about the tank stuff. My favorite part about the whole interview was seeing that a trooper could be a main healer. And I thought that was just so cool dude that was awesome uh, <laughs> maybe just because i like the idea of being a you know the medic rather than you know sit back heal people heal people heal, uh, being in the middle of a fight healing your well it's or it's funny because if, if anyone's been to our forums you'll see me say it all the time i plan on going commando when the game comes out <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't wait to play the commando dude it, it, it looks totally cool and the really the the major trees i think it's combat medic and gunnery and so combat medic would be more the healing side gunnery is more the dps side but the fact that he pretty much said yeah you know you're not going to be you know like a backup healer you can actually be the healer in a group for a flashpoint or an operation that was pretty kick-ass one other very poignant piece of information that affects the game overall it's it's actually a big piece of information for people deciding strategies uh, everywhere from from small groups to, to full 16-man raids is the fact that some games some games have a different calculation for threat mechanics when you're within melee range of a mob and he mentioned that there's no difference in threat calculation as opposed to how close you are to a mob so that's actually a big piece of information for the theory crafters right up front well it probably means that threat is going to be generated based on abilities rather than range good adds a lot of different options for for things to go on and ways to fight you know, mobs and bosses and stuff. So. Right, and he also mentioned too, kind of to Dave's point, is about threat and range. He actually mentioned that a vanguard, when a vanguard's tanking, a lot of people kind of view the trooper as a ranged class, right? Obviously, because we're shooting blasters and rifles and assault cannons and all that kind of stuff. But he said that when a trooper is going to be tanking, that they're actually going to be considered like a mid-range tank. So that leads me to believe that they're actually going to have some abilities where maybe they're going to have to run in and use them up close, and then they're going to have to back out and, and continue to use other abilities a different way. They're not always going to be tanking from, say, you know, 30 meters away or 35 meters away or whatever their maximum range is. Well, yeah, and um, and Vanguard's, a lot of their stuff specifically does say uh, close to mid-range. So even though they're ranged, and in in the videos that the official videos that you can see out there, you see that the Vanguard does have a lot of close explosion or, or even melee attacks. He's almost like the, uh, I mean, he doesn't use a combat shotgun, he uses a rifle, but he's almost like the up close and personal, you know, with a sawed off type of fighter as far as, uh, as far as ranged goes, as opposed to the lay it down from long range, like the commando. 
All right, guys, we got to wrap this up. So real quick, before we kind of close out the show, we wanted to send some shout outs to some of the other websites that are out there in the TOR community, uh, more specifically to Ask a Jedi, Darth Hader, Tor Wars, Carillion Run Radio, Sunny's Diner, MMO Champion, Tor Syndicate, the SWTOR Reddit channel, Torocast, Ten Ton Hammer, Massively. Thank you all of, guys, all of you guys for the support this week. You all helped us out a lot by uh, spreading our um, interview with Yorig Zoller. Did I say it right, Dave? Georg. Georg, there you go. See, <laughs> I always screwed up. But yeah, you all helped well, us out a well, lot. Well, Andy, really appreciate it. thanks for blacklisting us with Yeah, exactly. Nowhere. Thank I you know, now much. we're banned. Thanks to all you guys. And like we said earlier, you know, the, the TOR community is really awesome. So we, we appreciate that from you guys. And uh, guys, uh, I can hear some music coming in the background. So that does mean that we are running out of time for this episode. Uh, Nick and Rick, any final thoughts here to uh, close the show? Thank you very much. This was exciting to be here with you. I can't wait to play. Can't wait to sink my teeth in here. And I'm looking forward to shooting both of you in the back. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, with, with, with healing rays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want to say thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. We were super happy to have you guys on the show. And uh, your feedback was awesome. It's nice to get some, some insight from actual people in the industry about uh, what we can expect for game launches and things like that. Yeah, that's it, guys. That will do it for Combat Chatter Episode 4. David Mike from Republic Trooper, as always, thanks for hanging out. Nick and Rick, thanks for hanging out as well. It's been a lot of fun. Everybody out there listening, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. You have been listening to Combat Chatter, the official podcast of RepublicTrooper.com. I'm your host, Andy Republic Trooper. We are out of here. Peace. You've been listening to Combat Chatter, brought to you by RepublicTrooper.com. Join the community at www.republictrooper.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash republictrooper, or on Twitter at republictrooper. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Twenty-five years ago, people were like, like still gluing uh, toothpicks to pieces of paper and things. We didn't have MMOs yet. But what a mortal and pestle, dude. Four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, no. Uh, oh shit! I just screwed up. That's gonna go in the blue for real right there. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. You did not just say sawed off, did you? Because we have British uh, uh, fans also. <laughs> Hey, Dave can't help it. Dave's favorite dessert is spotted dick. (laughs) Andy's our amazing website designer. The awesome look of Republic Trooper is based on him, but he's he's like Rain Man. That's I mean that's all he's good at. Everything. What is? What's going on? What did I miss? Oh, you missed me totally. Fuck up, dude. And I left Tribes Ascend. I was deep in the Tribes Ascend beta. A real shooter. By the way, for all of you out there who become zombies to Battlefield and Modern Warfare. Um, I'm crying about this for an hour. But do, we, do we want to do a yeah. pause before we do that? No, why? No, I'm actually talking. No, just, yeah, go well, for na- it, well, na- Now we're going to have to. Blue- no. <laughs> Stop whining. Stop it. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> well, I was reading the thing that said, Dave, let's wrap this up and toss it to me. 
Right. And then Dave didn't toss it to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, sorry. Dave, I didn't, I didn't Dave did that, that last time. <laughs> last time was the best. <laughs> Pregnant pause. I, I thought the rapture happened or something. Yeah. <laughs> I saw and, a beam of kidding. light in the sky. And, and now to Andy. <laughs>